Welcome to 10,000 Foot View Podcast, where you can find tools, ideas, and insights from some of the best performers from the field of business, art, sports, entertainment, coaching, neuroscience, and much more. That will give you the perspective you need to break through and unlock the next level in your mindset, creativity, business, and life. This is Monjyoti, the host of this podcast. I have an obsession for deep transformation. And I'm on a mission to help professionals and individuals unlock their true potential in life and business in a way that maximizes their overall sense of aliveness. Welcome to 10,000 Foot View Podcast. We have with us Michael S. Ryan. Mike is an award-winning professional musician, songwriter, studio owner, and writer. Hailing from small town Nova Scotia, Mike is a true creative in every sense of the word. As a frontman, guitar player, and songwriter for The Town Heroes, along with his self-named solo project, he has toured the world and released seven critically acclaimed albums. He has been the winner of 13 Music Nova Scotia Awards, five ECMAs, numerous The Coast Best of Honors, including Best Band in Halifax and multiple songwriting accolades. His first solo album, From the Bottoms of Our Murky Hearts, was nominated for Music, Nova Scotia's Folk Album of the Year. A natural storyteller with a desire to entertain, Ryan's ability to connect with an audience is unparalleled. Known for his stage banter, comical stories, and viral videos, his goal as an entertainer is to transport the listener to a world where they believe anything is possible. As a writer, his first foray into the literary, literary world was You and Me, a co-authored book with his wife, abstract visual artist Kristen Harrington. Released in 2021, the book is a laugh out loud compilation of travel and relationship stories, at times beautifully evocative and at others wildly amusing. He hosts a podcast with his wife, Mike and Kristen, interviewing creative people about their inspiration, dreams, and path along the way, which has reached 36 in the world for arts podcasts. Mike, welcome to the show. What a pleasure to be here. How are you making out today, buddy? I'm doing awesome. It's a beautiful day. The sun is out. Uh, so happy to have you here because we have a common interest, which is music. Yeah. And it seems like you have gone down the road of uh, creative expression. I mean, you have explored multiple dimensions. So I want to get into that a little bit. So you've been doing this for like 20 years. Uh, what was it like when you got started? Why it got started? So if you can talk a little bit about yeah. the backstory. Yeah, so as a professional musician now, 20 years, which is wild to think about. But it all it all started back when I was a 12-year-old boy and I got a got a guitar and I was trying to learn Nirvana songs. So the, the time in life when uh, every young person might pick up an instrument and I, I picked one up and I just fell in love with it. And uh, pretty soon by the time I was... 15 or 16 i was playing in local bars in my my hometown and i had to sign permission forms to go in because we were well underage my dad had to come as a chaperone and 
I just I just loved being on stage and getting a reaction for for the songs we were playing. And mm. then that became a, a part time job, essentially, just just playing music, going to bars and, and playing these gigs as a 16, 17 year old. And uh, I, I finished high school and my summer job was to was to play music. And after my second year in university, where I was studying human kinetics, I was I was also really big into big into sports when I was young as well. But uh, I had this summer with my band that was just the most amazing experience we ever had. We were writing more songs, and people were were really appreciating our own creations, and we're selling out venues and. And we just we just sat around one night, the the five of us in the band, and we we said like let's let's try to do this forever. Let's make a life out of this. So we all dropped out of school, out of university. I was on the dean's list at uh, this university called Saint of X, and my my parents were certainly supportive because they they knew how much I loved music, which was amazing to have that support behind me. And yes, yeah, started we moved to. The big city, I'm doing air quotes here, but uh, Halifax, Nova Scotia is the biggest city in the East Coast. And we moved here with no connections, no idea where to get started. And we just started on the bottom and kind of went for it. And that um, I learned so much, had so many experiences in that, 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 that time in my life and this, this young band who were wildly confident in in the fact that we might take over the world completely with our songs and yeah we we were dreaming big at the time we we wanted to sell out stadiums and be the biggest band since the beatles and that's kind of the confidence that i guess a lot of the 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 young bands have and and maybe need to have to to get Mm -hmm. through some of those those early hard times because it does become a challenge for sure when Mm -hmm when you're trying to survive just on that uh, irrepressible optimism, you, you, you need some food in your fridge as well. Yes, yes. So you decided to go music full time and then you yeah. moved to a new city and then yeah. you started from scratch after yeah. making that decision. Yeah. That, was, that was quite a leap of faith, I must say. And how, how long did it take for you to kind of uh, get going? Yeah. Once you moved to Halifax and what were some of the hurdles and how did you navigate that? And what was your mindset back then? Right away, we just we we just needed to make connections and figure out how to get gigs. And so Mm -hmm. we just started to play open mics and we'd meet people there and then enter Battle of the Bands. And we won a Battle of the Bands and and it gave us money to go in the studio and record our first album. And it was just this incredible will that we all had we had the the five of us all had the same belief in what we were doing and a lot of people thought we were crazy because we we started with nothing but this belief we had just powered us through and we would go sometimes days without having food and we we know okay we have a gig on friday we on saturday morning we can get oil in the tank and we can fill our fridge up with groceries because i remember uh the we'd run out of oil 
And in Canada, where I'm at here in Nova Scotia, it gets uh, pretty cold and it would be below zero in our house. And uh, we'd have to wait a few days to be able to afford to, to get a payment of oil to get heat back. So, yeah, our, a lot of our friends thought we were absolutely crazy and maybe we were a little bit. But, yeah, those first little steps, play this small gig, then play mm-hmm. a little bit of a bigger gig and then mm-hmm. get uh, your friends to all come out then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you're selling out shows and then the mm-hmm. bars want you back and mm-hmm. then it's a progression and off uh, going into the studio recording our own stuff then you get that on the radio and then the the, the type of venues change where it's more original material because at the start we were playing a combination of mainly covers and we'd throw in our, our original songs to try to yeah, win over these crowds after we play Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice or something. So it was right. uh this this is yeah, this 20 years ago and I'm certainly the band I'm in now is, is very different, but these early stages was it was one hundred percent just this irrepressible belief in what we were doing. Right. And the united front, because five of us all believe in the same thing. And when you right. have a group of people together like that with this utmost belief in what you're doing, right? It, it, you almost feel unstoppable. And yeah. that yeah. got us through some really hard times at the very start. And then, yeah, things started to to, to get better for us. But we, we were still just 19 and 20 at the time. So right. we weren't always making the best decisions, but we mm-hmm. <laughs> we, mm-hmm. we certainly had uh, uh, the work ethic and the, the belief and the desire. So that just made us made us work, work as hard as we possibly could and be as persistent right. as possible. Right, right, right. So before moving to Halifax, uh, yeah. you were doing shows for a few years. Yeah, and there was a recipe that was kind of working of how to get shows, how to deliver your stuff to the audience. You know how stuff works in the music industry. So, were you leaning on that experience when you moved to Halifax? Because that that confidence that that confidence came from your experience. Because I I know how things work, and if I apply the same formula here long enough, yeah, things are going to work. Was that was that the thought process? Something along those lines. Well, we're we're from a small town. It's mm-hmm. uh, a little little town of about fifteen hundred people, and mm-hmm. it was it was about seeing people react to what we were doing initially, because when we first started to play, we we just we love playing music so so much. Like we're learning our instruments, and we're just getting mm-hmm. to express ourselves on stage, mm-hmm. and you the first show I ever played, I was just like a statue. I was just completely stationary and I was nervous. And then I just, okay, I can move a little bit. I can have some stage yeah. presence and you're just right. learning all the time. And yeah, eventually when we start to have these positive reactions and people saying they, they love our band and we played this one show after my second year university that summer where we were playing, playing gigs as a summer job we had this gig at the end of the summer and it was at a local arena and there was about 2000 people out and we, we expended every bit of energy we possibly could have on stage. And we played our last song and we went back to the, the dressing room, an old hockey dressing room, uh, hockey's very big up here in Nova Scotia. And mm-hmm. we were playing in a 
hockey arena. And we, we sat in this, this dressing room and we started to hear something outside and we're like, what is that? And we soon realized they were chanting our band's name to come out for an encore and we could feel the walls shaking. And we thought, we thought we had expended every bit of energy, but that just kind of powered us up and gave us this extra burst to be able to go out and play for another half hour. So that, that was kind of a definitive moment in this old band's history, just having these 2000 people just cheer for us. And and that was a a feeling I'd I'd never felt anything like that before. And Mm -hmm. that was part of what we were leaning into. We were, we were relying on the fact that, okay, maybe right now that we're in Halifax, we don't have any gigs. We're run We ran out of oil and we don't have any heat, but Remember that night, 2,000 people cheered their heads off for us? We have the potential to do that again. We know if we find the right audience, if we find the right people, if we stay at this, we can we can create that scenario here. So it was kind of just leaning into that belief mm-hmm. and the feeling mm-hmm. of what we had experienced earlier mm-hmm. and trying to, trying to recreate that in a sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Nice. So... When things were a bit tough, um, you said it, it was difficult for a while. And uh, did it ever cross your mind? You know, we could be doing all, you know something else. You know, play it safe and pay all these bills instead of doing this. Did, did you did that thought cross your mind? And if not, why not? Because at it's that very- point in time, it didn't even remotely cross my mind. Wow. Because- okay. I knew if we went and got jobs and obviously we could go get jobs at the grocery store or whatever it may be, but then that would take away from our time to practice. Right. It was, it was this kind of this sacrifice or this Mm. choice we made. We have Mm. to put this time Mm. in. We have to be practicing every Mm. day. We have to, and this isn't necessarily the best way to do it, but this is just what we decided at the time. Yes, yes, yes. yes, That we needed to put in the time and energy and every ounce of us into what Mm. we were doing to get to this point. It was almost like we hit rock bottom after a certain point in moving there without knowing what to do that okay, we're going to do whatever we have to. And if we have to practice eight hours a day, we'll certainly do that. And, and we had, and we weren't, we weren't very good to be honest. Like we, uh, we had a lot to learn. We we were all self-taught musicians Mm. and we, we were coming from a small town where a lot of them, a lot of the people there were friends and family who were very supportive. And then you go to the the big city and you get a little bit of a wake up call. Like, okay, we need a, we really need to get our act together. We need to practice harder. We need to meet some people who can show us the ropes. And yeah, it was, again, it, a lot of that period of time, it was just the belief in what we were doing. And we knew we knew like worst case scenario we we could get jobs we could ask our parents like can you give us a little bit of money but we uh we wanted we wanted to really do it ourselves we wanted to show people yeah we can we can come from the small town and we can we can we can rise up and and do good things in the music industry and again this is this is a long time ago but this is the origins of uh how i got on the musical path, my musical right. journey that I'm on now. Mm-hmm. And 
And I wouldn't recommend that to, to any young yeah. musician starting off. I think yeah. it is definitely better to to have probably some type of job on the side what, mm-hmm. where you're able to treat that mm-hmm. as a side hustle, they say. And music's a thing you're still focusing on, but you don't have to worry so much and put so much uh, focus on we need to make this amount of money at this gig to be able to to eat the next day, but that, that right. it was it was a it was a belief, and I look back at it now, and I, I wouldn't not want to live that way by any means at this point in my life, but right. uh, it was it was some amazing times, and the camaraderie we all shared together was uh, something that I think people would love to have at any point in their life. I hear you. I hear you. And it's also an example for others. Um, Let's say people in small town who want to go out there and do something of their own, be it music or something else. Um, It's, it's an example of what's possible. Yeah. Because knowingly or unknowingly, we all are looking for role models and examples, right? If they can do it, I can do it. Somebody does it. So that's, that itself is a huge, huge thing. And, uh, yeah. And I think you had that unshakable belief that somehow this is going to work. And in the worst of the worst of the worst case scenario, you can always, as you said, you can always go back and um, go back to your parents or take some jobs in the grocery store and, you know, to make kind of yeah. make, thing, make ends meet. Um, but you were really going, going after it. And yeah, um, we're, we're so it was also the synergy of five people, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. When five people's uh, unshakable belief come together, that's more than five times. It's probably 50 times. <laughs> oh, yeah. We we were just an, an unstoppable force in, in the belief. Yes. Yes. And yeah, we, we would just walk into bars like we were on top of the world when we're when we're getting paid 50 bucks and a pitcher of beer. We, yeah, we thought we were going to take over the world. But yeah all the, all those moments you you learn from from every one of those gigs and you yes you do you learn you learn how to get through hard times and you learn to 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 be resilient like that's just such an important thing in life just being being able to get through hard things when they do arise and that point in my life created this resiliency in me that I still carry with me for sure. And I'm not bothered by a lot of little things that may bother some people. And part of that's just, I experience it and it's not that bad when I really look at it. Like it's such a, uh, how lucky was I to be able to try to play music for a career, right? Like lots of people have to, do a lot harder things than that to to make a living and i i'm very fortunate to have that opportunity and that was a choice we made so so little things like yeah not not being able to go out and buy a meal at a restaurant when our other friends were going out wasn't that big a deal like it's we we all come from families with hard-working parents and and they they didn't always get to do exactly what they wanted to do. And, and my parents, especially they, they saw this, us following this dream as just such an opportunity to, to really go after what we wanted in life. And that's why they were so encouraging. Like they, they 
wanted they supported us in every way possible and a lot a lot of parents would think yeah you're absolutely crazy to do this you got to stay in school and get a degree that's that's the more stable way to live and uh, come out of come out of school get a job and live the the life that's the kind of the, the way most people live their life and that's 100 fine but uh for us it was we just had a different vision of how how it should go and Luckily, we were supported by by most people. Awesome. Uh, yes, I think um, you know when you go through something like that, trying to make ends meet for for something that really matters to you. Uh, what you learn in that process, I think one of the things you learn is appreciation. Yeah. When you one of the things that rock bottom teaches you is to appreciate the small stuff. Yeah. Right. And and, and other one, as you said, resiliency. Right. And, and if you can have some of those experiences um, early on in your life, when you have the room to experiment and try, then I think that can be a huge blessing because what yeah. you learn is actually priceless. And it's not something that you can learn in a, in, a, in a university or a course and things like that. It's something that life teaches you and it, it kind of wires you in a way that kind of prepares you for the life ahead to live a good life you know so there are there's so many unseen benefits i think it was a, a rockefeller who said something along the lines of you know so blessed is the young person who gets to struggle to make ends meet for a while yeah because there are unvaluable lessons there and those are those are priceless as you said you know? well, we became so grateful for everything in our life. And yes. I know people talk about having that gratitude practice now. And it, it is a very, very good way to to just be appreciative of what you have in your life. But yeah. at that time, like anytime anything little that was positive happened to us, we were just so excited and so exactly, exactly. thankful. And yeah, it was just... I, I think that has also carried over into my life now. Your life, yes, that, yes. And again, we we didn't have any responsibility at the time. We didn't have kids we were looking out for, anything like that. So mm. we were able to do that. And again, yeah. not everyone has afforded that yeah. gift. But it's for us, it yeah, created this ability to look at the world in a certain way. And I remember at one point we were we were i'll say as poor as we possibly could have been we didn't have any money not a lot of opportunities in the down the pipeline and there was a knock on our door and it was uh someone canvassing for plan international it's a company that um a nonprofit that raises money for 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 kids in different countries who are essentially just need help mm. and uh we didn't have any money, but we felt so bad that there was people out there in the world who had it so much worse than us. Like we, we are doing this by choice. Like this little kid that uh, we ended up sponsoring in Nigeria, he, he had malaria when he was nine. Both his parents were dead. He was living with his grandfather. He didn't have anything. And we felt like, okay, we're here in, uh, in Nova Scotia, North America, we have this amazing 
opportunity to try to follow our dream. We might not have much money, but let's scrounge together 30 bucks a month we can send to this this young kid. And we did that for four or five years when when we were together as a band. It was just kind of a decision we made. Let's let's help this little fellow out. So that kind of thing is wouldn't have arisen if we didn't have that gratitude and it wasn't going through that experience where yeah things aren't always great but at the same time there's other people out there who just need need a lot of help and having that ability to offer that was uh is again 30 bucks a month isn't a, a big deal but it was uh for us at the time we didn't have that but we decided this is something we should and can do so we we yeah, we, we did that just because we were living that lifestyle and it kind of created yeah. that gratefulness. Yes, yes, yes. I relate because um, there was a point in time where, you know, there wasn't, there was absolutely nothing going right, right? My, I jumped into this thing um, to try, you know, try to make things work on my own. Uh, there, there's nothing, there's no money, there's no security, nothing is going right. So that little, little bite of positivity that comes, you know, in the darkness yeah. means so much. Little time, there was no time. I was working around the clock all the time. And if I get like an hour, oh my God, I got an hour. I'm so appreciative, yeah. right? And same, same thing with money. You know, I was trying to figure things out. I was trying to run my own startup and uh, things like that. And when, whenever there was, there was, uh, there was a little bit of money coming in, I'm like, oh my God, this is so precious. So it, it taught me appreciation, you know, by, by taking all these good things away from me. And then, you know, and then, uh, and then, yeah, when, when a little, little positive something came in, I, I would feel so appreciative and then that taught me appreciation as you said yeah. and uh, yeah yeah and now now things are much better but when i when i look from that frame of reference yeah i was i was in the rock bottom yeah. things are incredible and and there is no end to how far you can go with your gratitude right things that we enjoy and we take take for granted for example um the the roads that we walk on that we did not build right uh the public transport you know yeah. uh, the the houses uh, where we can live on by by renting it out we don't have to buy those houses which might cost like millions of dollars if not hundreds of thousands right so yeah. these are things that we did not do these are systems that were built by people who are who are not us and they were given to us so these are blessings but we need to have the eye to look at them and that I, that perspective comes from experiences like that. Yeah. You know, so I think, and it, it's extremely valuable, especially when we are young, when we don't have responsibilities and things like that. If we get a chance to kind of make things work, trying to make things, make ends meet on our own. Thank you for listening to this episode of 10,000 Foot View Podcast. I want to congratulate you for honoring yourself by standing out and investing in your personal growth and taking this step towards your next breakthrough. I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Do check out the show notes on the description for the details of the show along with links and offers. 
It would mean a world to me if you could leave a review about this episode in Apple. Before I head off, I want to remind you that you are extremely special and you have gifts and talents that you can use to unleash your best version and you are just one perspective away from unlocking your next level. I believe in you. 